Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Commissions, they um, 
of course they all have their official acronym names, but they they right. very much reflect the priorities of the community. You know, we have a planning board and a zoning board which deal with uh, you know real estate construction additions, how people use their property and their land, and things of that nature. We have a recreation board uh, which deals with. Um, all the different opportunities in terms of uh, children's sports programs uh, on the recreation level in town. Uh, We have uh, commissions for the ambulance corps, the fire department, the police department. Um, So there's actually uh, opportunities to serve special needs, uh, municipal alliance in terms of uh, having a drug-free community, that sort of thing, uh, substance-free community. So um, we have a, an access for all community, making sure our committee, making sure our parks and stores and things like that are accessible to everyone uh, from a physical point of view. And so there, mm-hmm. there are opportunities in every area that mirror life. That is, that is incredibly awesome. Uh, I will now ask uh, more uh, specific uh, questions uh, based on sure. some things that we've discussed in the past. Um, as you know, I, like you, believe that uh, uh, people should be more participatory uh, in terms of their governance. So um, oh. I've been working the polls. I've been encouraging people on social media to uh, vote uh, without uh, taking any strong stance on who they should vote for uh, while sharing my views, uh, however. And also, um, whatever resources people send me about, you know, how people can look up information about the candidates or about issues, uh, sharing uh, those. And I will continue to do that, but I feel that there's more than that could be done. Is there any uh, such initiative in Tenafly where voting can be the focus uh, uh, forever rather than just around election time and information about intelligent voting can be made available uh, on a continuous basis? Well, that's a good, um, you raise a very interesting point. You know, a lot of the get out to vote uh, process, uh, you know, uh, events and efforts are done around uh, voting time in the primary and the general election because of voter registration drives. Um, and, you know, it could be challenging uh, keeping that energy up uh, 12 months out of the year. And most of the get out to vote efforts are done by uh, the political parties because, of course, everyone wants to drive people right. regardless of regardless of what party affiliation you have. You're always looking to register people and drive them to the polls. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very good uh, point. Really, uh, voter registration efforts should be going on 12 months out of the year. And um, that, that is, that's, that's absolutely something worth having a serious discussion about. Um, you know, we have um, the, uh, in high school, there are young Republicans and young Democratic clubs and things of that nature that uh, we have our high schoolers are focused on getting 18-year-olds who are, you know, or those who are close to 18 getting registered to vote uh, as soon as they can, and those efforts are fantastic. So that goes on at, at the schools and high school, uh, you know, continuously, um, and uh, I think you're right. I think that needs to be continued in the, uh, you know, in the adult population when people move into town. Uh, perhaps we make stronger efforts to get people to register to vote, the new residents, when they come here. And uh, that will constantly be refilling the uh, uh, the the, uh, the ledgers with uh, new voters. So it, it's a good point. It really needs to happen year round. It's very important. People need to participate, 
And as I always say, the people who show up are the ones who make the decisions, i.e. the voters. Very true. And you brought up the clubs. Uh, I remember um, when you were running for a council and uh, helping campaign that the kids uh, played a very important role and uh, they were really into it. You know, they brought a lot of enthusiasm and energy uh, to the effort. That was awesome. Well, you know, they bring the, um, uh, the hope for the future. Um, you know, as, as adults, of course, we have hope for the future for ourselves, our children, our grandchildren, that sort of thing. Um, but it becomes, uh, you know, as an adult, is a very practical sense of why we do things because there are very specific goals to be accomplished. Uh, you know, for 18-year-olds and, and younger people, you know, they're looking at the future in terms of they've got a long runway ahead of them and a lot of things to get done. And so their sort of enthusiasm and hope for the world is uh, is extremely important and, uh, you know, needs to be continuously encouraged. And so it's always great to see the, uh, the high schoolers getting involved in these processes. And, uh, you know, on the campaign trail this year, uh, a lot of the high school students that helped on the campaign and that we had out there, one of the biggest focuses uh, is was on the environment and the future, yeah. which was kind of interesting because much of my campaign was about the practicalities of, of potholes and sewers and things of that nature, whereas the 17- or 18-year-olds wanted to know what the world was going to be like in, uh, in 40 and 50 years. Uh, so, th- again, they have a long perspective on their runway, and it, 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 uh, it is definitely to be admired. Uh, yes, most certainly so. And uh, after much contemplation, uh, I have uh, also decided to dedicate what time I have on the planet, uh, a chunk of uh, my energy uh, towards making sure that we have a planet to live in <laughs> after the next couple of decades. Uh, uh, again, I'm not a scientist, so I don't understand or, or know the veracity of a lot of the information that's out there. But uh, lots of people who uh, do know these things are are uh, giving us warnings and as a culture, we're not heeding those warnings. So that's of concern to me. And I figure, you know, even if it doesn't happen, uh, that's a very worthwhile thing to be focusing on. So that's where I'll be putting my energy and uh, in Tenafly, what do we have other than the environmental uh, um, committee and the green team? Um, Are there any other type of initiatives to focus on the environment? Well, so there, there, there are. So, you, you know, you have the Environmental Committee, you have the Green Team, and that, that, the, the amount of work and effort they do is actually quite significant because you have to get into the details. Um, the, the volunteers, the residents who work in these committees are not there uh, just for fun or to get their, you know, right. their name on a plaque by any stretch of the imagination. You know, some of the issues they're debating, you know, in terms of uh, do we do away with uh, plastic garbage bags? And, and I think the question is going to be, this is an easy one for me to predict, not whether we, you know, do away with plastic garbage bags uh, in uh, Tenafly, lots of details around that, of course, but when we actually move forward with that ordinance, uh, the Environmental Commission is making recommendations to the council. The council is very keen on um, um, taking those single-use plastic garbage bags that fill up our landfills because they can't be recycled and jam up recycling equipment uh, because they can't even go through the machines. We need to get those out of circulation. You know, Rather than spending our energy trying to uh, teach citizens how to actually treat those bags, we need to get them out of the system 
as quickly as possible. And uh, if we do it and other towns do it, the next thing you know, we'll wind up having either uh, some sort of paper recycle, you know, paper bag, which is fully recyclable or reusable bags that people use every time they go to the store. Um, we had a, um, a meeting of, I was invited uh, to the green team uh, meeting, which is affiliated with the, um, uh, with the environmental commission. And mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about leaves around town and, you know, rather than asking the question of, how do we pick up our leaves more efficiently? The question was raised of why do we pick up leaves at all? And and I think you and I touched upon this a little yeah. bit last time. Last and time. That, you know, we you know sometimes you really uh, it's like I tell my children the answer to most things, the answer to most questions are found in the questions themselves, and it's really the question that is important and not the answer. And if we ask ourselves why are we even picking up the leaves, and most people will say, well, what do you mean? And then you get into the issue of why aren't we mulching the leaves? Why don't we have the landscapers doing that for the people who use landscapers? Why why don't homeowners, you know, have mulching blades on their lawnmowers and return it back to the to the grass and it's actually healthier for the grass rather than uh, rather than using these enormous trucks that are uh, belching, uh, you know, g- smoke and gas and oil into the mm-hmm. environment. Right, and then moving things around with bulldozers, and 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 thinking somehow or other, you know, we're doing the environment well when when instead we can be mulching this stuff on site and moving forward. But we've asked that question, and it's a hard question, and the answers are even harder. But um, you know, we're working on it, and those are some of the things uh, the residents are doing to you know to make it a better planet and. You know, one town does it, a second town does it, and and it's a good sort of thing, and you move on from there. And are there any water-specific committees or projects? I know that we've had the river keepers here to to visit uh, um, a few times since I moved uh, back to Tenafly, Um, and uh, I've heard people talking about uh, water, uh, but uh, is there like a water commission or uh, something like that? We actually we we do not have um, a water commission or a group that is specifically focused on you know all things uh, riparian. So you know it, 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 we do have but within each within different commissions they have water within their purview. For instance, the uh, Tenafly Nature Center, um, right. you know, focuses on Fister's Pond. And there's lots of things going on now with Fister's Pond. We recently repaired the dam up there to keep the water level at a certain awesome. height. Uh, we're, we're, we're contemplating going into a uh, hydro raking operation to clean up uh, some of the things that have uh, overgrown uh, within the pond to preserve the pond for the future. So there's lots of debate and conversation about that with the Nature Center and the Borough Council. Um, we do have a group of residents who are focused on uh, uh, cleaning up the uh, the Tenekill and removing uh, excess, um, you know, tree shrubs and things of that nature, so that it can flow a little freer. And actually, uh, that group of residents has uh, um, has been working with me on it. They approached me, and we have the Department of Environmental Protection from Trenton coming up in mid-January oh, wow. to sit with us to talk about some things with that. Um, so there are different uh, constituencies that have concerns around water, 
but we don't have a water commission per se. That is uh, phenomenally interesting, and I will definitely have to uh, call up the Nature Center and uh, um, if you have contact information on the Tenekill uh, folks, uh, because I've been focusing, I, I'm, I've created a podcast just on the water issue. Um, oh, that's interesting. It's called the Atlantis Project, and I'm actually uh, um, getting together a, a panel of speakers, uh, activists. Um, who are going to be discussing this, including uh, Zena uh, Spazakis. Oh, very nice. Uh, of course. Yes. Yeah, so if you or someone would like to participate in that, I'll, I'll, it's going to be sometime in January. Uh, I'll send you an email. But this way, just start getting a bigger picture uh, and uh, reducing the vastness of my ignorance uh, on the topic. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I like. I'm, I'm very interested to hear more about. I like that. Uh, I like that uh, statement. The vastness of my ignorance. I'm going to have to uh, co-opt that and use that. So thank you. You're welcome to. It's it's the truth too. I mean, you know, I I don't think I'm ignorant. I I know a great deal, and and I'm always like seeking to learn more. Uh, but even with that, it's not even a candle flicker in a vast darkness. So I'm I'm greatly aware of that as well, and I try not to, you know get too stuck up on any group of facts because, you know, based on what I know and what I understand and what I think, uh, I can accept something as uh, true uh, until more information becomes available and then it might not be true, in which case it would be foolish to hold on to it. You know, just move on. Uh, well, that, I mean, there, there are so many facts and opinions in the entire world and so many details. So you, you raise a very valid point. Um, awesome. I'm looking forward to, to that uh, particular discussion. And also, I, I, I don't know if you're aware, I've, I've probably told you uh, um, on the show or off the show that uh, I participated in some uh, um, protests about the deer. And I know we had talked about this, uh, the whole issue uh, on a previous uh, uh, podcast. Uh, but uh, um, although I, the more I learn, the less I know in that one, um, right, I've decided right. to give you a few a voice. So there's going to be a monthly uh, podcast just on that issue. And, uh, oh, that's very interesting. Can, can talk, and if they're, if, if, if they're not heated, they can talk to each other. If not, they can each separately ex, you know, just give, give the whole thing a voice in a forum that people can hear uh, all the different perspectives and, you know, start addressing it because it, it is, um, you know, it, the deer are very dangerous uh, too. And that's a reality. Um, and uh, I think most people, despite the fact that they might uh, disagree on how to solve the problem um, and the, there lies uh, the heatedness agree that it is a problem that needs to be solved. And uh, just about everyone I've spoken to, uh, except for very few people, once it's done in in as humane a manner as possible uh, to the deer, to the bears, you know, to everybody concerned. Well, sure, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. The the vast majority of people want want the deer to be, uh, you know, monitored, corralled, or sent away through humane processes. You know, it's. I was at a dinner this evening, and and. Um, uh, it was with uh, the library group and they were having their annual holiday uh, celebration, fabulous event. And we, we did that mm -hmm. over at the library and the topic of the, the, you know, the deer came up and several of us, you know, we all realized we all have deer in our yards 
um, except those of us who have dogs that tend to be on the larger side. We used to have deer sleeping in our backyard all the time, and uh, we rescued a dog uh, last January or so. That's about 75 pounds. And, um, wow. of course, you know, the, the, the dog is cured and, and all that sort of stuff whenever he goes outside. And, um, you know, there's no deer now. He, he's never chased a deer, but the deer, and he's an active dog, and he'll bark a little bit once in a while, and the deer are gone. They don't appear on our property anymore. They've gotten used to the new routine that there's this crazy little four-legged animal around that's much <laughs> smaller than them, but much more uh, vocal and aggressive. So they uh, they don't come around anymore. Um, so, but you know, how do you how do you do that with an entire uh, entire neighborhood? Because everyone can't right. have a dog, and you know, just in terms of their their lifestyles. Uh, but you know, so. For our little property or our neighbor's property, our, our humane way is to have dogs and uh, uh, the deer don't come around. Um, but, uh, you know, it is a problem. You know, we have people getting into car accidents. Uh, we yeah. have, uh, you know, the potential for, for Lyme disease in the warmer weather. Um, and, you know, that doesn't even get into, you know, destruction of crops and plants and things of that nature. So it's a real problem. And, um, you know, we're all working towards solutions. And, wow. and over at uh, over at uh, our park in town, Davis Johnson Park, we have a, a rose garden over there, and uh, it has uh, solid uh, stone walls that are about six feet high in sections. And the deer jump over because I, I learned recently by doing a tour of the park, deer jump don't jump over walls when they can't see what's on the other side in terms of where, where they're going to land. So you know that gets into the issue of fencing that is high enough and solid enough that the deer can't see over it and then they stop migrating uh, and traveling through neighborhoods uh, but that raises the issue of you know the type of fences you want to have between yourself and your neighbors um, right. where you can't see anyone with six foot high fences and you know there's all kinds of other socialization for humans uh, around that issue so here where i am on columbus drive uh I, I guess it was uh, at one point the fashion to put bamboo <laughs> between uh, um, houses. So, uh, yeah, there, there's all these like natural walls uh, between the yards uh, for the most part. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Um, we don't uh, in our in our in our backyard, you know, we have uh, there's three sides. We have only one side that has a small fence on and we have plants with our back native plants and greenery uh, with our uh, back neighbors and to the neighbor that's east of us there's you can't tell the difference between that lawn and ours there is uh, it looks like one big lawn for like four houses and no fences at all so you know the deer just i can be i before having the dog i would be sitting on my uh in my uh in the warm weather on the back uh patio sipping coffee early in the morning and i remember one time i just I think I lost you, Mark. Are you there? Oh, can you hear me, Hercules? Can I can you hear, hear you. Yes, I can hear okay. you now. And so I was sitting uh, on my back patio drinking coffee early one morning, and uh, I looked up, and there was a deer two or three feet away from me, just, you know, <laughs> staring off into the future, and he didn't even realize that I was there because I was motionless. Yeah, they get really close. When I lived in uh, Pennsylvania, 
uh, we had lots of deer, lots of bear, bald eagles, you name it. You know, it, it was very, very uh, animal filled. Uh, the area around us. And uh, if you were sitting outside, you know, before you know it, something snuck up on you, you know, usually the deer. And uh, my well, wife uh, got yeah. to know them. We, we had one I, deer I wouldn't want to be her babies. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's nice and everything. I wouldn't want to be um, drinking my coffee and having a bear sneak up on me with their cubs. That would no. be a whole different event. We had polite bears though. When we had, uh, um, those bird feeders up the, yeah. and if, if they had something that the bear would like, the bear would take them down. And, uh, the bear that we had in the area, uh, had figured out how to unscrew them. So it didn't crack them or anything, you know, so just empty them and then leave the empty container. <laughs> there oh, on the oh, side how considerate. The yes, of course. <laughs> so, so I have, um, um, some relatives, uh, family members who live up in Japan, New York which uh-huh. isn't that far from Tenafly. I think it's about an eight-mile ride. And, um, you know, up uh, Knickerbocker Road, straight uh, straight north. And uh, they now have a black bear in their neighborhood, and um, they can no longer uh, use their uh, go into the house through the back door. One of my nephews was coming home from work one night. He's about 22, 23 years old, and uh, was going towards the back of the house and literally – uh, turned the corner and, and pretty much bumped into this bear. And the bear was just as startled and just walked away in the opposite direction. Yeah. And my nephew walked to the front of the house. They don't, they can't go in the backyard right now because the bear has camped out in a couple of the uh, backyards in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's uh, that's alarming. When we lived in Northwestern uh, New Jersey for a couple of years, um, in, on our way uh, here to northeastern New Jersey, um, where we lived, had more bears than Pennsylvania. So uh, there, too, really? getting out of the car, especially, or leaving in the morning or coming home at night, uh, you have to, like, uh, uh, look really, really carefully out windows or outside your, your car windows if you're in the car uh, to make sure there was no bear around because they, they were walking um, you know, and if you didn't look, you might uh, startle one, and that's the dangerous thing. If they saw you, they usually keep uh, their distance. Uh, but if they didn't see you, especially when there are cubs, you know, then you know it becomes dangerous. Yes, yeah, they become very aggressive then, and that's an issue. But you know, we uh, we have bear sightings in uh, Tenafly occasionally, and I'm happy to say not that often at all. Um, but, uh, you know, we had one on the golf course at the Nickabaca Country Club a few years back. Um, so that was, uh, he was up a tree and then they were watching him and he disappeared. No one ever saw him again and no one got hurt. So that was good. Yes, that, that is good. Uh, um, you know, cause we share a planet with them. Um, and the more we are aware of how to coexist, the safer things will be again for everybody, humans, uh, bears, deer, um, and all the other wildlife that we have uh, over here. Um, is there a group that's specifically focused on uh, the animal issues? I know I've spoken to activists and uh, there are um, like some groups that are like throughout New Jersey that have uh, um, people here locally, uh, like Julie, for instance, and her husband, Jack. Uh, they're very right, involved. Julie O'Connor. And, Julie yes, O'Connor. Julie is a Big, uh, a big animal rights advocate, uh, you know, for protecting the uh, 
she's very much against the uh, bear hunt, and I, I don't want to speak for her or put words in her mouth, uh, but she is an animal rights activist um, in terms of uh, looking for ways to address the deer uh, problem that are, you know, very humane. And um, so she is certainly someone the listeners can contact uh, through you uh, in order to get involved in her organization. The the borough itself, uh, we do not have a group that is specifically focused on animal control at that level. It's really uh, at the county and state level because because, uh, while we – we talk about uh, Tenafly and Englewood and Creskill. The, uh, our four-legged friends don't recognize uh, borders of towns. They just kind of right. wander around wherever they want to go. Um, so it takes more than a local municipality to address these issues, and that's really why it's, it's, it's handled at the county and the state level. Thank you very much, and thank you for suggesting I write an article uh, uh, about this. I did, and it was printed in the last uh, newsletter, some uh, helpful suggestions about bears. So uh, uh, I'll be putting something together for deer next, and uh, I believe koi dogs have been uh, uh, spotted. Uh, They're they're like a mixture of uh, coyotes and uh, um, domesticated dogs. That's interesting. We uh, we live a... We live across the street from a, a park, one of the school parks, and occasionally late at night we will see uh, there's a couple of fences, and uh, we see a coyote that will walk along, you know, close to the fence as it's uh, on its nightly round. So we have a coyote, a small coyote in our neighborhood. Um, I know Englewood, there's, you know, uh, a flock of uh, turkeys along Angle yeah. Street. Yeah, that, uh, there are pretty, there's 10 or 15 of the birds there. And uh, they're pretty consistent, and they and they travel on a um, on a very consistent uh, path every day. And so it's interesting. There is a lot of wildlife out there. Yes, yes, there is. Um, now, there are a lot of uh, people who love uh, greenery, and we have the Northern Valley uh, uh, Greenway Project. We also have. Uh, um, a community garden, and uh, uh, last time you'd mentioned that it's going to be more community uh, garden land and, uh, and initiatives. Um, and I know that uh, we have funds to preserve the greenery. In fact, one of the first things I got involved in, uh, other than uh, uh, your campaigning for council uh, initially when I moved here, uh, was uh, um, saving uh, the greenery uh, in the nature center. Uh, from plans that they had to uh, um, make it into like an educational center, the wild uh, greens. Right. There was a referendum, so, if I remember correctly. Right. Right. So there was a referendum. Um, I guess that was, has probably been about five years or so yeah. ago regarding that. Um, and, um, you know, so the new, the new nature center building um, was not built. And so that was, that was taken, that was taken off the map. And, you know, the nature center has been focused on, on other initiatives since then. Uh, one of which of course is, uh, I touched on it a few minutes ago about uh, Fister's pond. When we talked about water, uh, Fister's pond is actually a man-made pond from about, uh, I won't, I believe, don't quote me on this. I believe it was built about 80 years ago and uh, ponds through their natural uh, lifespan eventually will turn back into forest as they fill up. 
Um, but mm-hmm. this particular pond is really a jewel for the nature center. You know, there's uh, it's, a, it's an ecosystem for, for, for teaching children about, you know, frogs, amphibians, fish, everything that goes on there, the birds, the, you know, the plants that grow in the water, the birds feed off of them. And so we're making an effort to, uh, uh, to clean up the pond, you know, to continuously clean it from overgrowth and perhaps dredge it a foot or two. Uh, because we want to save the pond, because uh, while the pond eventually could disappear naturally, we don't want it to disappear because there's too many benefits to it for us. Right. So that's, you know, one of the things we do up at the uh, at the Nature Center to preserve it. So although we are a uh, you know, relatively small uh, community uh, in New Jersey, we're a microcosm in a way of the greater world. And whatever may be of importance to a person or of concern to a person, there are initiatives that they can get involved in locally, not just in our community, but in every community. So the opportunity to make a difference in the world, uh, to get involved, to uh, express your opinion, to ask questions, to do something about something that bothers you are right there outside uh, your door. And uh, we're very blessed uh, to have that. And uh, in Tenafly, um, I found Tenafly in terms of communication with uh, uh, leadership is exceptional because in very many places, there's a very big gap between uh, the, the people governing and the people who are being governed. And here in Tenafly, um, th- that gap is not uh, very wide at all, and everybody's very accessible and very helpful uh, and very uh, focused. So, um, yeah, I want to thank you and the council and uh, Peter Rustin and everybody uh, for creating such an environment here. Th- this really is a- an exceptional place uh, to be. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful that you have uh, the reins now, and uh, I'm very uh, excited and looking forward to, uh, you know, the adventure ahead. Well, it, uh, it's an adventure, and uh, I appreciate your word, your kind words. And, and I, I will say one thing. It is uh, we are making an effort, the Borough Council, uh, my colleagues and myself, to be very accessible. Um, I spend uh, – I spend a, a fair amount of my time in the Tenafly Diner and Cafe Angelique, and I have the credit card bills to prove it, um, <laughs> talking with residents and uh, drinking more coffee than I should be drinking, and uh, because people want to talk about the issues that are important to them. And uh, I, will, I will tell you this, uh, the issues are consistent from person to person. One, may, one person, it might be about the environment. The next person, it might be about the roads. But that those are repeating, um, repeating patterns amongst our residents, and we have to be accessible. And when you talk about affecting the world through our local actions, you know, when we're talking about these silly little plastic bags, you know, that we started talking about in terms of banning them, well, you know, I spend a lot of time at the with our with our DPW team at the recycling center, Department of Public Works uh, employees. And these plastic bags that we buy and take home our groceries in, it affects um, our recycling efforts. If people put, if too many people put plastic bags in uh, recyclables, those recyclables cannot be recycled by the Mm. truckload, and they become garbage. And they're sent to Elizabeth, New Jersey, and they be they they go into um, furnaces and burn for uh, fuel for electrical. 
and uh, you know for it to generate electricity uh, because we can't ship these uh, recyclables out of the country anymore. Um, you know they go off to transfer stations out by Patterson uh, and on ships. So um, it, it affects not just how you get your groceries home to your house in Tenafly, but it becomes a conversation immediately about uh, fuel burning putting garbage on transport ships, traveling over the Pacific Ocean. There's a, there's a huge conversation about this. And uh, so when, when uh, that's why when we talk about recycling and plastic bags, it's a serious issue, and it's a very expensive issue. And thank you again for being on the show. You're awesome. And um, I wish you, as you know, great success in this and all your other endeavors. Thank you, Hercules. It's always a pleasure. And thank you again for um, and, and having me on your show. It's always wonderful. Same here. And happy holidays to you and to uh, all your loved ones. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. Thanks. Uh, we're going to listen to um, Cry Freedom, and then we'll be back with the Sussex Report and Astrid.
Welcome back to the Elysium Project. This is Hercules Invictus. And now we enter Sussex County with the Sussex Report and Astrid. Greetings, Astrid. How are you? Greetings, Hercules. We almost had a little issue with every clock saying some different time. <laughs> Have you entered a dimensional portal? <laughs> or uh, I wonder uh, sometimes. Oh. Between the uh, crazed snowstorm, and I should say more ice than snow last week, uh, and um, allergies that were um, exasperated by the wind and uh, weather change and everything else, but the things seem to be back to normal except for this uh, dimensional time thing, which I guess with the power outages, everything went up and on different times. So there we go. Yes, always an adventure, Hercules. <laughs> and we shall begin with Sussex County news. Yes, I'm going to. Ch- There's so much going on that it's very, very difficult to get it all in. Plus some of our other topics. So what I'm basically going to do is sort of um, <clears throat> um, cut it back a little bit and give a few of the details, and then um, give the sites. I will send you all the information because it's quite extensive. I noticed that the Sussex County Library has so many things going on, and I will just um, uh, shorten it a little by saying the dates and what's going on where. So uh, tomorrow is the 12th already? Wow. Yes. And uh, we're looking at different things. Uh, The main library has festive stories and snacks from 11 to 12. The uh, Franklin branch has a holiday cookie exchange from 6 to 7 p.m., uh, the Sussex Wantage branch has a Frosty Storytime series for preschoolers from 11 to 11.30. Then on the 13th, which is Friday the 13th, 
We have the healthy holiday eating, which I think that's great. It's great incentive from 3 to 4 at the Sussex County Main Library. We have the crafts and cookies holiday in exchange from 1 to 3 at the Main Library. On the 14th, we have cookie decorating from 1 to 1.30 at uh, the Franklin Branch. And the Tween Teen Gaming Club from 12.30 to 1.30 at the Main Library. I think that's great they're doing things for that group of, of children. They always get neglected and have nowhere to go. You know, they're, uh-huh. in, they're in between that age, you know. It's tough. And on that day also, the 14th, the American Songbook featuring Ellen Laferne, and that's one thirty to three thirty. That's at the Louise Childs uh, Memorial Branch, which is in Stanhope. And on the sixteenth, we have the holiday story time from ten to ten thirty at the Franklin Branch. And you can to can math night from five to five forty-five at uh, the Dennis Branch. <clears throat> and on the nineteenth, drop and crafts Thursdays at the Louise Childs Branch. And that's for children five and up. That's all day, it says. And the best thing to do is to always go on to their website, the SussexCountyLibrary.org, and find out the details in terms of uh, if you need a, a registration at a time or if there are any uh, – there are no fees for any of these, but if you just need to uh, verify any information. Plus, they have things that extend there, but it would just be too lengthy to go into. Mm-hmm. I will bring up about the Karen Ann Quillen Hospice, which is the phone number is 800-882-1117, and their site, KarenAnnQuinlanHospice.org. They will be selling tickets soon for the 40th anniversary, the gala event held on April 18, 2020. They are planners, aren't they? At the yes. Corona Farm in Andover. And, of course, the guest is going to be Julia Quinlan, who started this quest when her uh, daughter was on life support for very, very many years. You can go to their website for info on services, volunteering, all kinds of support systems. It's amazing. And then we have Project Self-Sufficiency, 127 Mill Street, Newton. They have so many different things going on. They have something called the Family Success Center. They have free legal advice, job search information, emergency basic needs, and they're at 973-940-3500. They do have something called Earth Angels. Let me just find that info here. There's so much information. It's unbelievable. Here it is. And Earth Angels is um, they're, they're seeking holiday donations for seniors. So this okay. is self-sufficiency. They're seeking donations, gift cards, or new unwrapped items suitable for senior citizens as part of the agency's Earth Angels initiative. So during mid-December, students in the Jersey Youth Groups uh, Corps uh, program at Project Self-Sufficiency are going to stuff festive bags with cards and gifts, and they'll be delivered by volunteers to homebound seniors during the week leading up to Christmas, which I think is so nice because so often there are people living alone that don't look forward to the holidays, whether they be in nursing homes or they're shut-ins, and they're just forgotten. It's a different type of of culture here in this country now. Families do not live close together. They're spread throughout the whole country. And it's very difficult to be able to maintain those family ties uh, um, yes. that used to exist. 
life has changed. Yes, it has. I know one of the years, uh, actually two of the years, uh, um, since I came back here to uh, Northeastern New Jersey uh, with a friend around the holiday time, um, we he dressed up as Santa, and I dressed up as myself, you know, with my Olympian finery, and we visited Very nice. kids in hospitals, we visited uh, people in nursing homes, we, you know, uh, whatever we could think of, we would just drop by and we brought the presents, you know, not expensive ones, you know, but uh, a little, a little something, um, you know, that we would give to the people that, uh, uh, we visited, and of course, everybody wanted to take pictures and so forth. So, you know, we did that. Right, right. But very important, and people brighten up. You could see, you know, even though this wasn't, you know, anything grand, people would light up, you know, and and they get the present and they'd be very happy, and uh, it, it 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 was very moving. Most definitely, and people forget that. I mean, because we're so busy with our yeah. lives between work and all activities and. And these other things that we forget that children and elders, you know, the senior citizens have more free time. And they spend that time, oh, you know, thinking. And it would be nice to have some sharing going on, you know, just some enjoyment rather than, you know, being shuttled here and there. And just to say, well, I'm taking the time to remember people in the community. It is a great thing. And then, of course, Maybe. West Cap always does so much, too. It's another okay. great organization that, that deals with programs for the, the lower-income population that are in definite need for housing, community development, health and wellness, information and opportunities, employment, education, and that's norwestcap.org. So there's a lot going on. Of course, there's tons of food, uh, food drives going on, uh, tons of, of food banks, Coding drives and toy drives all over the area. And I'm sure if you contact, you know, your churches, uh, banks are having things. This, I know the police departments are doing things. You, know, you can pick the, um, the um, charitable group that you'd like to, uh, to, take, to basically sponsor to do these things because there's plenty of people doing these things. And right. then there's the food fund drive for pets. How about that? We're going to take the pets into it, too. <laughs> Father John's Animal House and Diva Dogs. Don't you love it? Diva Doggies. They're teaming mm. up to create Santa Paws, P-A-W-S, oh. food and supply drive for Father John's until 1220. And uh, Father John's is a great organization. They have all, it's basically a shelter. And they have people, volunteers that are taking care of these animals and looking for homes, taking care of them. They, uh, for info and the donation list, you can contact them, Father John's Animal House. And they're accepting things until 1220. So that's another great organization. And then something that's going on, let's see if I can find this now here. We have so many things going on here. Is something called Project Search. And that is, let me get this page here. The fingers are just not working. It's getting a little chillier. It's like a mentoring program, and they're accepting applications for September 2020 already. Can you believe this? Wow. That's how, how that program has just done so much. <clears throat> I'll read a little bit here. It says here, it's a youth program, 
and the enrollment has maxed out with seven interns in rotation. So now the application process for the next group will be in September 2020. And it's a partnership with Atlantic Health Services at Newton Medical Center and Project Search. It, the enrollment maxed out with seven interns ranging from 18 to 21. They rotate so far, including materials, environmental services, food service, wound care, physical therapy, the heart center, patient access, and access and the patient portal. So their first rotation will end in December, and then they'll begin around with a new mentor. I think that's great because they're learning on the job uh-huh. with different type of rotations. Very often people want to go into a field, but they don't have any idea of what part they're interested in. So this is great that they're going to rotate into the different services and see where their interests lie and if there's one that's more applicable to them. That is awesome. And um, Sussex County, which is quite rural um, in, for the most part, uh, seems to really have a lot of people that care. Um, and despite yes, what they do. the county, uh, you can't say that people don't care. They obviously do. No. I have to say, I mean, what I was just amazed coming up here from um, a very urban area. And I was living between the two at one time. You know, I had a house and I had an apartment. Um, until we lived here full time. And, and the growth that it, I think it was about um, in the early 90s. And I was amazed at how this county has grown in terms of volunteerism and programs to help people support systems, which is such a big thing. Right. Such a big thing. It really is. And then I'd like to plug. Kindred Spirits, that art center is just amazing. It is in Branchville. They basically are just open a few months, and they they really put out so much in terms of um, art, information, just plain hospitality. Uh, it's They're having their open house this Friday from 12 to 8, and then on Saturday from 12 to 4 p.m. They're at 22 Wanted Avenue around the corner from the post office in Branchville, and the number is 973-945-6083. It is not just an art gallery. They have actual lessons, and you can work it out with them. They have lessons for working with clay and different variations of it, using the wheel, doing slabs, making tiles. They have different kind of painting lessons. There's two separate artists there. They have adult activities in terms of uh, paint and sip <laughs> and spin clay uh-huh. and sip. And they're very flexible. They're very fair. And they have other artists with their work there as well. So they're going to have uh, things in all their little galleries. It's a cute little place, too, in terms of all the sections. They put food out for you. Boy, do they put refreshments. <laughs> and you can just go and get acquainted with them because it's not just a thing of learning an art form or seeing new art talent or maybe finding something you want for holidays that's handmade and helping artists out because they have mm-hmm. other artists there as well. They have a writer that has a lot of great books. They have a jewelry maker there. They have other painters and ceramists work there. But they're so encouraging, and they're great for brainstorming. They're just wonderful people to be around. 
Yes, they are. And uh, Linda Garibrand, um, she's going to have uh, a segment uh, on our show at some point. We're still talking back and forth. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. They're amazing uh, people, and they're doing something very innovative, creative, and uh, very life-affirming. Definitely. And, and that's another great thing about Sussex County, because you're starting to see a lot more things come to life. You know, whereas um, you have people now that are doing things, you know, for others, and, and um, not just – it's. You know, bringing out their artistic talents, whether it be places like Kindred Spirits or it be places like the Newton Theater, which has opened its doors up, you know, to a, the other building on the side of, from the theater across the street that has all these different type of performing arts for children and uh, lessons as well. But, you know, stage presentation, not only performing, but learning how to do stage setting, um, backdrops, lighting. I think that's just great. You know, to be offering all these different aspects of art, because art extends itself all across the board, all across the board. So it's wonderful to see this, I have to say. And creativity is our most divine power. You know, take something that's <sighs> wispy in your head and to make it real, that's uh, uh, how can you get more powerful than that? And uh, Most uh, so definitely, most definitely. Uh, is awesome. And, and I can I can remember back, and, and I'm, I know you've done it, you know, with your creative aspects where you've gone into a library, and I'm sure you've inspired people to pick up books or do different things, whether it's careers or look into ancient cultures. But I remember uh, teaching art for all those years, and I said, well, why don't we do a talent show and laid it out, like, so interesting. And, and again, had to be very fair. There were certain aspects that they had to adhere to in terms of costumes and this or that, permission slips, blah, 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 and and information being laid out to parents about what was acceptable, what wasn't, and um, giving them ideas of different ways they could do it. And then we actually had a process where we had to use um, a system because the last thing you want is for a child to get on a stage to do something if they're, if they're not prepared. And right. so you have to give them some help. You know, well, what about this? What about that? But I had so many children that got so into the stage after that. They were so excited, and it ended up developing into two, three-hour productions because they just loved to do this. They love to express themselves, and and uh, a couple of them went to uh, went on to acting schools in the city. So you know, it makes you feel good that you're able to help someone find yeah. something with them, themselves and and bring it to fruition. Um, I do enrichment programs now, uh, some on my own, some you know for other uh, um, companies, and. Uh, um, it's always very satisfying uh, when there's a creative uh, element involved in watching the kids find their own voice um, or find their own way of expressing themselves through various artistic uh, mediums and do something uh, creative, do something original, do something that is uniquely uh, their expression. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it's just wonderful to see. And, and even adults, you know, the, uh, your creativity does not have to end because – you know, you missed out as a child or, you know, you had to go to work. I know my mother couldn't. She was pulled. She was able to go to um, uh, a wonderful um, – she had an opportunity to go into the city to art school on a scholarship. And a month before graduation, was pulled to work for the family. 
And that's the way it was because it wasn't yeah. just a, a, a one-time thing. Everybody had to do that to support the families all had to support each other. And, um, you know, I would say to her later, you could still do it. You're working, but there are things you can do at night. There's no reason why you have to give up that dream. And that's important. You have to, you know, feel that you have a, a, a dream or there's an interest that it just doesn't pass away, that you pick up on it somehow. Right. That is a very important thing. And uh, uh, I spent uh, a good deal of my career in uh, vocational rehabilitation just on that uh, um, issue. Like I happen to be very eccentric, as you know, uh, and uh, I've always found ways of using my unique creative self-expression to do things in society and to support myself and other people. Um, and, uh, so that was the gift that I had for many years to share that, you know, if I can do this, <laughs> you know, you, you don't want anything remotely as strange as what I want. Uh, so if I can find ways of doing this, uh, I'm sure you could find ways of, uh, uh doing what you want to do. And then I would help them like build bridges between where they were, and where they wanted to be that didn't involve years of schooling and, uh, um, incurring ex- expenses. There are things anybody can do in their immediate area that will bring them a step or two closer to where they want to be. And all the places you listed are places like that. Most definitely. Most definitely. So now we're going to move, leave the Sussex report, and I will send all that different information Thank to you. And I would like to focus on something a little different today rather than okay. the four elements. We will get back to the four elements next week because there is so much going on. And I really wish I could be on with you with the Atlantis project tomorrow. But as you know, the Amber Dragon is having their full moon yeah. ceremony tomorrow. And the full moon tomorrow on twelve twelve occurs exactly at twelve twelve. Eastern Standard Time. That is unbelievable. But it's the last full moon. Yes. Very interesting if you look it up and read all the research on it. Um, But it's the last full moon of the year, and the Ember Dragon really celebrates it because the full moon is a time of completion. And I love this because it leads right into what we're talking about. The full moon leads is about completion reviewing what your intentions were that you set for the new moon and saying, well, what worked and what didn't not to criticize Mm -hmm. yourself and say, well, do I, are my, are, you know, my wishes um, fruitful? Do I need to change them? Uh, Do I have to do approach reality another way? Uh, It's, it's review time. It's to look at things honestly and to say, well, these intentions best serving me and on that note let's be aware of intentions because one of the biggest fears now is what's real and what isn't and the times had a great article i just thought it was so great it was this weekend it was called in a swelling age of tribalism the trust of a country teeters and I'm not going to go into it all, but it, I'll just give the gist of, of the article. But sure. it basically talked about the era of alternative facts that each person or party entertains only for their own preferred variant. 
and they said it's getting to the point where it's a dangerous moment. I love this quote from Peter Wenner. Uh, it's a former st- strategic advisor to President Bush. The danger is people come to believe that nobody is giving them the facts and reality, and everybody can make up their own script and their own narrative. In such a situation, he added, truth as a concept gets obliterated because people's investment in certain narratives is so deep that facts simply won't get in the way. And what they're basically saying is that people are twisting things and and saying that it's a truism or or this is not a truism. Well, we know that word fake news is just so, like, out of control. Right. And that, that, you know, people have their own agenda. And people do not know what to believe anymore. Particularly when you question motives. You have to look, and that's a thing. When you're reading something, you have to know where it is coming from and the motives behind it. Because never before have we seen that interfere with politics as now you know rather than hiding base reactions and ambitions it just comes right out there it's flaunted and it's inviting supporters to share them and a lot of these things are very negative i mean uh, trust is already dwindling in, in american life with people not trusting you know politicians and i'm sure that was a major thing with with Trump and and, uh, being elected in the sense that you would hear certain things being said in phrases and it's stuck in your mind. Let's drain the swamp. Let's drain the swamp. But if you look now, the swamp is filthier than ever with people who have not, not been recused. And that's what people have to understand. They have to know the code of ethics and code of conduct to understand that recusal is very important. You have to step back. When you are somehow connected to something, you cannot vote on it. If you're on a committee or a council, even on a local level, and you certainly cannot be put in that position because it's a conflict of interest. Yet we right. have, we have someone, not someone. We have almost all of the heads of of these cabinets and departments being in direct conflict. So, and this has never happened. Never. Nepotism is a big thing. You're not supposed to put your relatives in. Yet we have a White House full of relatives with no concept of the public sector, which is frightening. So we have to look beyond what's being said and look at the source and deeply read into it further and do your research. As we have said, whether it be optimal wellness, the four elements, anything that you've presented, Hercules, we always say, be proactive and do your research. You know, yes. look into everything. Don't trust the doctors with the medication. With Take the information and be proactive and look. And with that, I'm going to bring up a bill that's coming up. Okay. And if people are willing to sign a petition, they can do it. But there is this Mitt Romney is going to have a new plan, and it's going to be called the Trust Act. Now, this Trust Act is something that's going to be presented to Congress, and they're they're proposing to do it in a fast-track process. That means they can do it behind closed doors. No way should anything 
be done behind closed doors. This is going to be a plan by Romney and Ryan. And you say, well, the Trust Act, doesn't that sound so wonderful? What is the Trust Act, though? You know, words can be very deceptive. Even the names of certain organizations, which I'm going to go into later, they're very deceptive. First, people will say, wow, I don't even know what that means. All these words strung together sound very intellectual. But when you look beyond the words and and at the source, you will see they're driven by think tanks. But anyway, this particular trust act, what it is, it is about cutting Social Security. And this is the plan. For 84 years, Social Security has paid out all the benefits in full and on time. But starting in 2035, the Social Security Trust Fund, you see where that word trust came from, will face affording a funding shortfall if nothing's done. So what they're planning to do would change Social Security. It's supposed to be the Social Security 2100 Act. And they're um, looking at having, well, they're talking about having the rich pay their fair share of taxes because now there's a lot of things that aren't being done. But he wants to, Romney wants to introduce the fast track process. And behind closed doors. And and they're saying, no, no, there is no way that people should have their Social Security benefits cut. Because you know what it's going to be. It's going to be a lessening of benefits. The, the age will be raised. There will be anything that's going to affect so many people. And you're talking baby boomers who made the boom economy by – you know, being a large group and putting the money into the system. Right. Now, you know, this number, now on the other side, the receiving side, and because money has not been dealt with well <laughs> and it was spend, spend, that now we have a situation and it's not one party or the other because money goes to, to the different groups that, that lobby. And uh, so it, it's not even about one group. This has to be done out in the open. No way anything should be done behind closed doors. I looked up Trust Act while you uh, were uh, explaining mm-hmm. it, and I found that there are several tr- different types of Trust Acts, some having to do with immigrants, some having to do with uh, 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 people. Uh, this is the uh, Romney's, tr- tr- Romney's Rom- plan. It's Romney and Ryan, it says. Romney and Ryan. Oh, you know Ryan, because Ryan, who was the at the one point, so big yes. in the uh, Republican Party and who just, you know, bowed out, was a big proponent of getting rid of Social Security. Here we go now. And, of course, he's putting his name second. They're saying it's Mitt Romney's plan. Again, right. look at the source. Uh, Ryan does not believe, Paul Ryan did not believe in unemployment, Did not does not believe in Social Security does not believe in uh, pensions, these type of programs, because they call them entitlement acts. And it is another, no, you've been paying into them. But the point of it is that some corporations have gotten so greedy, particularly the Koch brothers who have made billions. And one of the Koch brothers, of course, had run for VP many, many years ago under the, um, the agenda of, Doing away with regulations, doing away with um, 
um, all these entitlements so corporations wouldn't have to pay a matching number. It's called raising the profit. Let's be honest. It's called raising the profit. And mm-hmm. that's frightening because you're hearing things, and the trust act, but then you're seeing that it deals with the Social Security Trust. Once you see Romney's name, look at the next name to it, which is Ryan, which is very deceptive because this is a way of getting rid of these different programs. So another thing to look into is to try to combat. Right, right. And, and I think people have to realize that many of these different groups, there are think tanks out there. And think mm-hmm. tanks basically are very high-powered consulting groups. And what they do is they do studies, and a lot of it is a matter of manipulating language in order to get voters to go a certain way or accept certain behavior or accept, accept certain types of trends. A lot of think tanks, uh, tanks are tied to the Koch brothers, who are billionaires. They have studies that are aimed at the state policy network. Their vision is... Listen to the wording. Improving practical effectiveness of independent market-oriented think tanks. Now, SPN, which is the State Policy Network, acronym, uses Mm -hmm. dark money, which is money that is donated for elections without disclosing the sources, to push a certain agenda. The IRS filings show that the SPN and its think tanks combined revenue in 2011, not even now, topped $83 million funding. Where was the funding from? Donors Trust and Donors Capital Fund, the acronym ALEC. David Koch's Americans for Prosperity Foundation, well, it's not the Americans meaning you and me, Freedom Works. Grover Norquist's Americans for Tax Reform, the Cato Institute, the Heritage Foundation. My, my, my. ALEC came under fire for backing voter ID measures, but I'm talking very stringent ones, so people in certain areas would not have the right to vote, making it difficult. And that would be things like having things sitting on the desk when you applied for a different uh, polling place because you've moved, like it happened, what happened uh, down the, in the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. Free enterprise, you know what that means. I love these terms, quote, free enterprise, unquote. Quote, consumer's choice, unquote. Quote, less regulations, unquote. These are the kind of things they came under fire for. So, Always be aware of the titles of the groups and watch the language because there is certain terminology. I remember as an educator and writing certain things that when you had to write papers for the state, you had to use certain terminology. Yes. And that's the same with these think tanks. They appeal. People don't realize how they're tugging at them. You know, there's a certain appeal, but you have to dig deeper, find the sources. And it's very difficult now because since Citizens United, which we know, 
when that happened, it affected major funding. It took away limits. It took away the fact that unions and huge corporations could, um, you know, could no longer uh, be blocked from from lobbying and, and giving contributions. But more than that, you have to look at the fact that now there are many super PACs and people that can put their money and hide behind these names, super PACs, these names of these organizations and think tanks, and with a hidden agenda. You have to always look beyond Breitbart News, which we all know about because Steve Bannon, who was a part of that, Uh who became a Trump advisor, of course no longer is with him anymore. Breitbart News had ties to neo-Nazi groups. Uh, Richard Spencer's national policy, the internal, you know, his his whole thing of that uh, nationalism and Nazism, uh, there were internal documents that were leaked, which shows that Breitbart News did more than tolerate it. It incited it. It fueled toxic beliefs on the political spectrum. And these have links to the Mercer family, billionaires who, who fund it, to extremists striving to create white nationalism fueled on hate. And this even extended beyond our country. It went into Germany. There's, like, big issues in parts of Europe now with um, different think tanks tied to Breitbart News. So we have a lot of uh, work to do. Um, Right. It's nice to – in terms of, like, hearing some of these names. The other thing I'll mention is – I'll do this quickly. There's one, the Sunlight Policy Network, supposed to be a transparency group for the government. Uh, founder Mike uh, Lilly. Well, there's something that is tied to them, which is the American Enterprise Institute, AEI. And they're into, listen to the terminology again, safeguarding the intent of libertarian and conservative donors. Their vision Scholars and staff advance ideas rooted in our belief in democracy, free enterprise, watch that terminology, American strength, and a pluralistic entrepreneurial culture. Yeah, all right. Well, it's very important. The the point that you brought out is that words don't mean exactly what we think they mean, so we should look into what the group and the people actually represent. Uh, rather than right. just, oh, this sounds good, you know, trust. Yeah, we, we could always Yeah, well, the EP, there is a great group called Source Watch that looks into all these things for you, the sources of these different groups and information. And mm-hmm. um, they were saying this is EPI. They advocated fewer protections for consumers and environments. This is how they want to protect you. Fewer protections, right? Do, uh, dominant conservative think tank, this is. Um, they were in, they were involved and they promoted this successfully, astroturfing for Comcast in imposing net neutrality. So therefore, they're behind pushing Comcast and and these different places in terms of having tiered availability to the internet. The the Dodd Frank Wall Street reform they were against that which is what you know came up, up, uh, about because of what was going on on Wall Street, having minimal regulations, right. and it fell apart. They are against minimum wages. We know why. They're against global warming because how it will affect people like the Koch brothers, 
who make their money in petroleum and, and livestock and everything else. They also received more than $1.6 million from ExxonMobil. They were offering $10,000 to scientists and economists to undermine a climate change report. They supported a regime change in Iraq. So, I mean, these are the things that go on. I really like that source watch because they get into who is with these groups. Um, They bring up their vision, and you look at the terminology in their vision, and then look at what they're promoting, the people that are behind it. And a great way to end this is to talk about something really positive, and that's Mr. Rogers. Okay. (laughs) He was amazing, and now there's all this emphasis on him. Uh Uh-huh. Well, there was a great article on him in the Times, and I just picked up on this because it talked about how um, it depicts him walking through the neighborhood, interacting with a variety of people, including a small child with his head hung low. He fashions a paper airplane for the boy, which cheers him up. And this character was wonderful in the sense that he was a gentle man intent on making people happy. That's more of a reflection of America's discomfort with dark emotions than of the man himself. Because what he did for that boy is distract him from his sadness. Now, that is the most amazing thing, because he was, despite his pastor's type of demeanor, he was tuned in to our soul's darkest feelings. He had an uncommon appreciation for anger, fear, stress, sadness, disappointment, loneliness, and he respected the range of, emo- of emotions and encouraged children to accept all their feelings as natural. That is great because he was not a trained philosopher. And um, they go into um, ah some Greek history, some Greek history from Aristotle, and I, you know I'm going to butcher this: the Nicomachean Ethics. No, you did pretty good, Nicomachean. Well, close, but not correct. But Aristotle described our souls as being made up of feelings, predispositions, and active conditions. Our predispositions name our go-to emotions, those we feel most often in response to certain stimuli. Some are prone to sadness, some to anger, some to genuine cheerfulness. Our feelings like twigs catch a spark every time we brush past past life embers. Isn't that something? And, you know, it's amazing because everybody spreads different things. And that's why it's important for us to be, I want to close with that, to be proactive, get the information, don't fall victim to that negativity and, and again being played on your head to work against you many times. And if you're not sure, no one says you have to make a decision. What we're saying is read up, read further look further into it because you can't just accept you have to look further you know maybe there is cause for people to say well i want to act the way i want to act but you can't there's a code of ethics and 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 honor and as children we're taught you can't do what you want to do and we shouldn't be accepting people that have a specific agenda that try to turn our heads from the reality of the situation to get to their agenda. Case closed.
Thank you, Astrid. You're awesome. I enjoyed uh, speaking to you very much, and I'll see you Saturday. Most definitely. Take care and have a great night. You too. Give my love to everybody at the Dragon. I sure will. Um, we're not going to take a music break. We're going to go straight to uh, Ion, Northern New Jersey. Our host uh, is Bill Waitman, and today his guest is uh, Sue Davies. Uh, greetings, Bill, and welcome back, Sue. Hello. Thanks for having me. I will give the center brief to Bill, and uh, I'll be here listening if you need me. No, no problem. Uh, Sue? Yes. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Uh, you know, we talked earlier. Hercules will hear about this now. Uh, yesterday, I, I Bill, did some. I'm getting, Bill, I'm getting some feedback when you talk. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can. Okay. Can you hear me now better? The feedback is still there. Do you hear the feedback, Sue, where you are? Because sometimes the feedback. Uh, yeah, I hear it too. Yeah. It, it sounds like static. Yeah. How about that? Now it's not now it's no. You can you call back or can you call another phone? Hello? Hi. Okay, I'm gonna try I'm gonna move the phone away from me. Can you hear me? The static is still there. Hello, Hello Can you Bill? hear me? Yes, yes yeah, it's still static. Let's let me just try to get through on the other phone. Okay. And then we can we can talk a little bit. Well, Sue, can you hear can you hear me now? Yeah, but you're very very staticky. I know. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, wait a minute. I'm losing too much time. Maybe you could ask me a question, and I could answer it for a while while you call, you know, hang up and call back and see if you get a better connection. Okay, How, how's it? How's it now? The same. It's still staticky, but I don't know if we're going to get rid of that. I don't know what that's causing that. Okay, Sue, so, um, tell me what's going on. Uh, from your meetings and everything, and uh, one of the things I want to know, if you can hear me, is what's your thoughts about um, what's going on in Washington with Trump and company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so I'm with New Jersey Independence, and we are an organization of independent voters from uh, New Jersey, and we're affiliated with the National Independent Voting dot org organization. So. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of people have been asking me lately what I think about the impeachment and all the just as you did, Bill. Um, and again, thanks for having me on again. Um, but have asked me what independents think about impeachment. And um, mostly, I've been ta- I've talked to a lot of folks about this. And as as you know, the, the con- keep hold and you'll be able to listen to the show. So I'm coming on now. Can okay. you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I hear all kinds of noise, actually. Well, I have two phones on. <laughs> uh, okay, how's it now? Okay. 
That's a little better. Okay, I turned the other one off. Okay. Okay, I don't know what's going on with that phone. <laughs> uh, how are independents re- reacting to what's going on? Well, I think most of the... I mean, independents feel, I mean, a lot of different ways. It's hard to characterize one feeling about independence because we are, um, we are independents because we don't uh, tow a party line of any kind. So some independents feel like, yes, of course, Trump ought to be impeached. Other people feel like Trump shouldn't be impeached. The evidence is pretty clear that he used quid pro quo with Ukraine in my opinion, but I think the bigger issue is that both political parties are using this for partisan gain. They're posturing for the 2020 elections. So the Democrats want to impeach him. Um, they've decided to use, uh, recently decided to use the words bribery instead of quid pro quo. All of that was because they did focus groups that said uh, that was a better word to use than quid quo pro with the voters who are going to vote in the in the next election. The Republicans are saying he did nothing wrong and you know that the Democrats are posturing and but none of them has an eye on what the American people want and need. None of them is is really looking towards what do we need to do with our dysfunctional political process. So the Democrats are going to spend lots of time uh, trying to impeach the president. It's going to go to the Senate. The Senate is not going to vote to impeach the president um, in the quote-unquote trial that happens. So what is what are we doing about fixing our political process when nothing happens, nothing can get done, and nothing can be solved? We have major problems we need to solve. Major. I, I, I don't see any way out of this at all. Uh, I don't know the long-term consequences uh, that are going to occur out of this. Um, Mm-hmm. I had wished that any of the other, what was it, 17 Republicans would have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, actually, I wish the guy from Ohio would won. Um, help me with his name. <laughs> I seem yeah. to think of him as much more, uh, and even, uh, be, be honest with you, uh, spending time in Florida, uh, Jed Bush had a positive, uh, a relatively positive background down there. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he got destroyed, and uh, I, I don't know. And he, he, I guess he wasn't used to that kind of, uh, well, he wasn't, we haven't had a normal, the whole process wasn't normal from the beginning to the end. Uh, and yeah. now they're talking in the Democratic Party about uh, our former uh, Madam Secretary and uh, U.S. Senator coming back into the race, and I think that was the problem, too, is uh, – uh, I, I think you've got to keep your focus on the states that are in play. And uh, mm-hmm. I, she wasn't. She was at a, a rock concert in North Carolina, which was not a likely pickup. I, I'm really worried about this country and what could happen. Um, yeah. But yeah. take it from there. I had a bright spot yesterday. I, um, I uh, was on a program, and uh, it was about voting. And uh, I mentioned this to, to you and uh, – uh, Hercules is hearing about it now. Um, there were a lot of questions. There were a lot of immigrants, uh, and uh, these are people that, uh, uh, in some cases, the administration doesn't want them to vote. But I think they have every right to vote, and I think the courts, in some cases, are clearing them. But uh, it's a, fr- a refreshing topic because 
you know, uh, as they get their citizenship and they're going through all the process, they actually become better Americans in, the sense, in the knowledge that they attain, uh, you know, from going through the whole process of becoming a citizen. But, um, you know, it's just a, it was a, a pleasant experience uh, uh, to, do, to, mm-hmm. to do that program. Um, what's happening on, do you see happening in New Jersey? I know you've had a conference. I wish I could have made it. A, I'm still, mm-hmm. still suffering with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we. How was it over in New York? What's that? How was it in New York for the uh, conference? Oh, it was good. It was very good. We had, uh, it's about a month ago now, we had people in from all over the country. Uh, We had Kitty Fahey, who led the gerrymandering fight in Michigan. We had um, folks that were on the front lines in the Florida fight to open the primaries. We had uh, folks from Chicago. Um, it, it was a really good uh, coming together of some pretty major independent activists from around the country. Um, in New Jersey here, the key thing we're working on is opening the primaries to independents. Right now, independents aren't allowed to vote as independents in the primaries. and we. But our tax dollars pay for the primaries. So uh, we are really challenging that. We challenged it in the court about four or five years ago. Unfortunately, we didn't win in the courts, but we're still working pretty hard because we think that 40% 40% of the people in New Jersey are registered as independents or unaffiliated, and mm-hmm. that's that's more than the Democrats or Republicans. We pay for the primaries. There's no reason that we should not be able to vote in the primaries. No. Do you think that it's possible that they would be I now I guess they can register with them with a party and vote that way, but they have to stay in in New Jersey, I guess, right? Stay in that party or just Well, what happens is you can vote on primary day, but your your voter registration is automatically changed to the party that you choose to vote in. Um, there are other states in this country that allow everyone to vote, uh, allow unaffiliated voters to vote. I mean, when you look at it, Forty-six percent of the people in this country now uh, self-identify as independents. Um, it's clear that people in this country are fed up with the two parties and the partisanship and the dysfunctionality of those two parties, and are electing not to register. Why should we be forced to join one of those parties? In New Jersey, eighty-nine percent of the people who ran for office were reelected in the last election, and seventy-five percent of the time. The decision is made in the primaries, and that means that they only speak to the people in their own party. That means Republicans only speak to Republicans, Democrats only speak to Democrats 75% of the time. Well, that leaves out, that means they're not speaking to, in the case of the Democrats, they're not speaking to 65% of the population of New Jersey. In case of Republicans, they're not speaking to 85% of the people of New Jersey. How can you represent the people when you don't talk to them? You can't. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm laughing, but it's really a serious issue. Uh, it's, it's, even I, I'm, I'm probably from a ridiculous background, but I always thought that you know, if you get elected, you talk to all the people. No matter what, mm-hmm. even if you're a Democrat, you should talk to a Republican. You should talk to an Independent. Uh, people have interests. That's why I think they should have more town meetings and, you know, things along those lines. 
But uh, yes, yeah, is, well, that's it's, it's that, ridiculous. That's part of why independents have such an important role to play in our political process. So Arizona State University did a study about a year or two ago, and what they found out about independents is that independents talk to everybody. So independents talk to Democrats, Republicans, other independents. We talk across the spectrum. And that's what needs to happen in this country. We all need to figure out how to talk to each other. So I think that independence can and should be a leadership force in this state and elsewhere because we're the only ones that do talk to everybody. As I said, the Democrats are only talking to Democrats and the Republicans are only talking to Republicans. We talk to everybody. So we could help transform the political culture of this country. How do we start that? What's the, what, what do we have to put together to say you get New Jersey to go along with us? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is open the primaries, let everybody vote, let all voters vote. Don't force people to join a party in order to vote. I think that immediately begins to change the political culture of New Jersey. Um, how do we get there? We have to I mean, there's two routes to doing that. One is the Democrats and Republicans could decide to open their primaries. They could just make a decision to do that. The second way is to go legislatively, and we do have um, some movement happening on that end. I do think that an open primaries bill is going to be introduced uh, sometime next year uh, into the state Senate, state legislature. Um, The Democrats actually have taken a step backwards relative to the primary in June. The new party rules say that you have to have registered in the Democratic Party three weeks before the primary in order to vote. That's a major change that they are slipping through without even really telling anyone about because many independents know that they can, or unaffiliated voters know they can go to the poll and and choose a party to vote for on primary day. That's not going to be true for the primary in June. And they're not letting people know that. Uh, because they don't want everybody to vote. They just want the party regulars to vote in the Democratic Party primary. Which is, which means an election of maybe 5 or, or 10% uh, come to the poll. Yeah. Uh, neither one and, of those parties. Yeah, and the, you know, the Democratic Party thinks it has a lock on New Jersey, but, um, you know, take a look in, in the future when 50% of the state is registered unaffiliated why are you saying to them, if you want to really revitalize the Democratic Party, if you want it to grow, you should, with open arms, welcome people who are independents into the fold? Because that's, that's the direction the electorate is going in this country. Millennials, overwhelmingly nationally, are, are not registering into a party. Um, more and more people are not registering. So why? I don't understand why any party would take the position that they don't want to open their doors and welcome in millennial voters. Um, you know, they say they want civic participation and they want to end voter suppression. But one of the biggest ways that voter suppression happens is you don't allow 40% of the people in the state to vote in the primary. Let me ask you, because I know that Hercules is working the boards and others have been talking about this. I, I've been talking about it. Um, since it is the Democratic Party that's really made a big bad move here, uh, there are things going on in the Democratic Party. Do you hear who's pushing that? Like somebody like Steve Sweeney uh, and uh, his uh, gentle base of, <laughs> of uh, 
cut political bosses? Because it's, I mean, it, I don't, it's, you know, I'm I'm not in. I'm not an insider of the Democratic Party, but, you know, you do, I hear, you know, the downstate, upstate problem, the Southern Jersey, Norcross contingent, the Northern Jersey contingent. Um, I'm not, as I said, I'm not, I'm not a Democratic Party insider, nor do I want to be, because all of the, it's just, it's just like the fights between the Democrats and Republicans, the internal fights in the Democratic Party are not about how do we solve the problems the people in the city are facing. So, you know, I was, I live in Jersey city. So yesterday there was a major, um, you know, attack on a, on a, on a Jewish grocery store here. We have serious issues we need to talk about in this state. Um, the, you know, uh, all kinds of things. So, uh, you know, fighting between political insiders, it doesn't solve anything. No, this is happening over and over. And, uh, you know, in this case, I want to just step aside from normal politics. Um, this seems to be a continual, you know, uh, in this case, uh, it was, as you said, it was largely against Jewish people. And uh, we've had the incidences in Pittsburgh and, 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 and other places. Um, what's going on? What do you pick up from, you know, being in Jersey City? I, I never saw it as that kind of a city. I mean, I lived there for, you know, about five, six years. What's going on? That the, 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 this is like craziness. You drive around and shoot up a store. Have you heard anything more? I, I don't. I, I mean, I've been listening to news. I, I used to have the Hudson County. Those papers disappeared. Uh, I have yeah. a friend that runs a magazine on it, like tapped into, but it's not tapped into. What caused this? What was behind this? And I know that's maybe oh. an unfair question. <laughs> yeah, that's like an impossible question to answer because this is what's happening all over the country. The Tree of Life synagogue, the anti, uh, the the shooter, the shooting in the in the Carolinas in the in the church in the black in the African American church. You have the gay you have the gay uh, nightclub that got shot up. I mean, people in this country are. I mean, one is we have too many guns and high powered rifles on the streets, in my opinion, and I'm not speaking as an official position of the New Jersey independent voters, in my opinion, there's no reason that we need to have assault weapons on the streets of this country. I think what's going on is people are profoundly disempowered, and some people are expressing that in a variety of ways, and some of those ways that people are expressing it are are destructive of other people. Um, I mean, I watched the news conference today um, uh, on Facebook, actually, uh, of, of the mayor and the FBI and all those folks. Um, I live like probably 15 minutes away from where it took place. I have friends that live out there uh, in that section of Jersey City. I think, um, you know, we're living in a profoundly damaged society right now. Uh, and the level of civility and hostility and disempowerment is just huge. And uh, racism and anti-Semitism and anti-gay attacks are all on the rise. And not just in New Jersey, but all over the, the country. Um, it's, it's a pretty sad moment, I think, for us. All the more reason that we have to figure out how to civilly talk to each other politically, because this kind of environment is not... It's not advancing us coming together to solve problems. 
No, we're not. And, and that poses problems on the international scale, too. I mean, we have enemies and we have uh, allies that are kind of falling away from us. Uh, and mm-hmm. the big thing, Susan, when I, uh, uh, I'm in the Foreign Policy Association and I'm, I'm, I'm in a couple of others. Uh, I always get it wrong. The Council on Foreign Relations. I, I'm like the cheap suit guy there. But uh, mm-hmm. I remember meeting a guy called J- Joseph Nye who talked about soft power. And I just don't see, in, in these circumstances now, I don't see the soft power of the U.S. actually coming out. The things that the U.S. has that can make people feel better about knowing people in the U.S. and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they hear of news because our, you know, we have... Uh, I don't know if in your lifetime, in my lifetime, we basically only had at one time three or four real channels, you know, and that counts Fox. But the Mm -hmm. stuff coming out out, even when I listen to uh, um, CNN, I love CNN, I love MSNBC, I guess I'm a want for that stuff. Uh, I belong to those organizations because I want to know more. Um, And I'm taking you away from your topic. But it's uh, for just a second. It just seems that you're 100 percent right. We can't have a civil uh, discussion anymore. Uh, maybe we never really had. We just, I just, we just imagined it. Uh, you know, I uh, my father used to tease me about politics, but I knew that he had been a union official with uh, Alcoa Aluminum, and he owned a bar, so it was even more better to tease me. I didn't like it. Because <laughs> they locked mm-hmm. me in the liquor cabinet a couple of times, but uh, I've never seen anything like this. And I know I'm probably yeah. oldie. I'm sure I am. Uh, you've never seen anything like this, and I don't think Hercules. Yes, we did see. I, I did see racism. Uh, I, I grew up in a kind of idyllic setting. I, I lived in a section of Fort Lee that was once the movie capital of uh, the United States. Uh, Court, uh, my home and all that. Uh, uh, I live in a, an aging silent, uh, silent movie star. That's all gone. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere I lived after that, until my parents had finally bought a home, uh, we never went through this stuff. You know, we had arguments at uh, holidays. Everybody does this. We hear the sound of hate in everything now. I, 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 yeah. I just can't imagine... Uh, driving past a Jewish grocery store and shooting people. I can't imagine going into a temple in Pittsburgh or, uh, you know, the, the, the black churches in the South. I don't know what drives. I think that's what, um, maybe this is what I'm getting to. In 1967, now you know how old I am, uh, I was an intern on a, not the current commission, but uh, one called the Challenge of Crime in a Free Society. Um, I can't remember. There was a famous black man that headed that commission. Uh, they were looking at values and constructs to figure it out. But we need to get back to some kind of normalcy. This country just can't survive. It will just crack and, and break open. Um, yeah. I don't know what well, can I mean, be done. We, it's, so, it's interesting because it's hard to make sense of it. So there's a long, I mean, the history of racism in this country has been deeply destructive from slavery to the reconstruction era to Jim Crow and lynching. So there's been a strain. There's been serious issues in this country for a long time. 
Um, and I think it's important not to cover that over and say that this is all new, but there is a level of discourse now that goes that that and maybe it, it grows out of that. Maybe it's that we're you know we're not so we're definitely not so good at talking to each other. But I always I always feel hesitant to 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 say things were good and now they're bad because there's such a history of racism in this country. Um, you know, so, and at the same time, I think that in the political arena, it's gotten worse. There was much more, the whole, uh, Southern Democrat, uh, liberal Republicans, they are no more. There is no more, the, the level of, of partisan rancor has gotten bigger. Um, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. While there's been really serious issues in this country for a long time, Around around racism and and, and related issues, uh, police brutality, you know, a whole host of things. So, um, so I think we have to get a little nuanced in our conversation of this. Well, how do you think you know coming up with the new solutions to bring people into uh, into voting? How will that can that change that? Uh, will we have change? Movement or anything that would dramatically change. I mean, I'm for. I'm with you 100% on this. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering because uh, I've been looking back, and I, I, yesterday I told, like I said, uh, I told people that in many cases weren't citizens. That uh, they asked me about the first woman. I said the first woman that I can really say that uh, made major uh, inroads in government was Margaret Chase Smith. I mean, she uh, mm-hmm. was a senator from Maine. Uh, she was a moderate mm-hmm. senator. Uh, you just mentioned that, uh, you know, there's supposedly a, monitor, a, a moderate senator in Maine now, and I know, I think, one in Alaska. I know uh, Ms. Murkowski yeah. because uh, yeah. I've had discussions with her when I was in government, and I think she's okay. I mean, the last time she ran, she had she had a, just about every – she was running against, um, what do you call it, a Tea Party candidate. But yeah. she had a, yeah. Native Americans helping her, Democrats. Uh, she crossed the board, and she won the election. And uh, yeah, well, uh, maybe Susan Collins. Um, That's what I'm wondering. What do you think? Uh, are there more Susan Collins out there? Are, is she intimidated? What happened? I think they're. I think they're getting drummed out of the party. The parties, both parties, the Democrats are saying you got to toe the Democratic Party line, and the Republicans are saying you got to. Control the you got to tell the Republican Party line. So I think the two parties have made it impossible for the people that really worked across the aisle to do what they have to do. That's why I think we've got to figure out how to have independence have more of an impact on what's going on politically and on the creation of a new political culture where people can honestly talk to each other and. Uh, and build something together. Um, at the grassroots, we're doing that on the ground around the country. Um, I also work with a number of other organizations like the, the All Stars Project in New York, which is uh, it mm-hmm. works with inner city youth on, on the issue of poverty and actually bringing, creating new performances so people can, you know, create a new culture. They have this great program called Cops and Kids, which um, brings together police and young people from inner city communities to create new performances together. Um, I worked um, in 1986. I worked on Dr. Lenore Falani's presidential campaign. She ran for president. She's the first African-American woman 
uh, and independent to be on the ballot in all 50 states. And we went door to door and went out to talk to people and went to places that you wouldn't think would support an African-American woman being on the ballot. And they supported it because they thought we needed a different political culture and environment. So I think when you go out and talk to the people in this country, you figure out how you can talk to each other. It's that it's the two party system and the two parties that are getting in the way and not helping anything uh, in terms of doing something new. You know, we have elitists in both parties. I mean, first of all, we're having an election in the Democratic Party where I think we have three or four billionaires. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, how did that come out? Uh, you know, maybe I, I, I don't have any problem with the former mayor of New York. I have a problem with the other mayor of New York. But uh, it, it shouldn't just be about money. And they should be like it. Maybe elections should be shorter like the British have. You know, they, yeah. I think I – think, I, I don't know – they may know better than me. I think they're about five or six weeks in duration. These, this thing's going on for two years, and uh, you know, um, I, well, I would only show my partisanship saying that uh, I think that we somehow the wrong guy got elected president, and and, and mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if this can happen again. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would, you know, agree. Uh, this is frightening. And, you know, in biblical, I'm not a biblical fanatic, but uh, people show me quotes in the Bible. And it's, a week ago, they were calling him the chosen one. I mean, mm-hmm. and, I, and I didn't like him announcing, uh, I worry about the Middle East, uh, Israel, and uh, the Palestinians, because I think um, he, he himself can cause a big problem, Trump. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he makes dramatic, dramatic move, uh, moves, and I think that that's a tinderbox there uh, that can light up, yeah. and, and, and you know, and everything. I know I'm burning your ear off, and I apologize for that. But um, yeah, uh, I think that we have to get people to sit down. I belong to an organization for a while. I can't remember the name of it, but I think it. Um, they would come out and and uh, work with any party uh, or any mm-hmm. group to teach them. Uh, they're out of Metuchen. Uh, maybe you can look that up for me. I forgot. I was in it for about four or five years. I had them come up to. Uh, I was a administrator for the Department of Labor. Uh, I had a state a Republican state senator that liked me and he backed me on everything. And I taught people uh, through them rather than partisanship. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what their role in, in society was, and even if they wanted to be a, a, a committee man in either one of the papers, and, and maybe independent, somebody independent might want to become a, a committee man in one of these parties, or or some other party, or a committee woman. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, the results were very good. And uh, I remember that uh, you might come across this. Uh, there's a, a, a Senate state senator, Ben Gopal, and. Yep. Uh, I remember his career coming. I can say I knew him before he was, he was anything. But he, um, he's really done really well. And I see he's going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, even more down the road. And uh, he, yeah. that's what that organization did, I believe. They trained uh, one of the counties there uh, on issues and how to be and how to, you know, have a major role. You know, in the parties themselves, 
unspoken thing is that these party leaders can pick people themselves to be on these committee or committee men or committee women. And that's yep. just giving, I hate to use the word lackeys, but that's giving him lackeys for him or her. Unfortunately, most of the chiefs are probably him. Uh, you know, that, I asked you the question uh, earlier about um, on, a, on a state level because it seems that the Sweeney and the governor are going to war with each other. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it, you know, I spent, if I went through the litany of things I did in government, like uh, helping uh, I stay at Amtrak, I put together training for Amtrak, I had problems with the governor, Governor Whitman, and on and on, casinos and everything else. I stayed in government because I wanted to do a good job, but I also wanted uh, quality insurance when I left. And now with the wrangling between Sweeney, uh, the Republicans, we do need other people involved in this mix. I'm going to have to interrupt. We're running out of time, and I wanted to give uh, Sue an opportunity to let folks know how they can get in contact with her uh, and learn more about the independent voters of New Jersey. I apologize. Ah, no worries. Um, So uh, we are uh, on Facebook. If you uh, if you search for New Jersey independent voters, you'll find us. We have a the national website is independentvoting.org. So it's www.independentvoting.org. And people can email me at newjerseyindependentvoters at gmail.com. Incredibly awesome. There are links to all of that, uh, except your email uh, right now on uh, Facebook. So if you repeat the email, I'll put it there also. Yes, yes, that'd be fine. Okay. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Sue. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. You're awesome. And uh, Bill, Bill, uh, I've admired Bill since way back when, <laughs> when uh, I first entered uh, workforce uh, development decades ago. So it's always a pleasure and an honor. Uh, I wish you both happy holidays um, and look forward to uh, um, the next time we're all together. Cool. Thank you. And so. you too. It's a Thanks. pleasure talking to Sue. It's always yeah. a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Okay. 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 Take good care, guys. And thanks to all you of too. our audience for being with us. And uh, um, it's uh, uh, awesome that uh, we can get together and talk about such things that have concerned to so many people. Uh, until next time, this is Hercules Invictus. And uh, Wishing you a joyous journey, an amazing adventure, and happy holidays. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember... All manifestations of the divine are equally valid.
Hercules? 